It's Cheryl Ackeson, and welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. Today, I'm coming to you from on the road in Great Britain and Germany, where I'm learning a lot about post-COVID and post-Brexit Europe and the similarities and differences between what's happening here and in the U.S. Hello, everybody from on the road in Europe where I'm already working on stories for our upcoming season eight of Full Measure, which begins September 11th on Sunday. That'll be our debut episode of the new season. We have so many fantastic stories already planned. I began researching some of them in the summer break when we're on reruns. And thanks to COVID, we have not been able to do our normal summer travel outside of the United States, at least very far outside of the United States, until this time for the first time in a couple of years. As you may know, we primarily cover stories on full measure domestically in the United States and Puerto Rico, but we do quite a bit of international coverage as well because I think that's something we're short on in a lot of news programs, news coverage of important international and foreign issues that matter or relate to the United States. As such, we've done stories from so many far-flung places. I've been to Russia for full measure, I've reported from Great Britain and Greece, Denmark, Norway, the Philippines, Singapore, Korea. My colleague Scott Thuman has done some reporting for us in other places like the Mideast, Ukraine. Jonathan Elias has gone to South America for us. I think this is really valuable coverage. One of the things I've learned is that when I come to Europe, there are a lot of parallels to what's going on in the U.S., not just politically, yes, politically, but also socially and culturally. The same movements that are active in the United States are taking a stronghold in Europe. Sometimes Europe is a little ahead of us or further than us on these trends. For example, I've noticed in the past, as I've also been reporting on our southern border, you know I head there once or twice a year for full measure to see what's going on with illegal immigration, They have immigration and illegal immigration crises in Europe that are also moving the needle politically. I was in Greece a couple of years ago with the Greek Coast Guard as they were pulling up refugees and illegal immigrants that had been put in these flimsy rafts from Turkey. So these were people coming from places like North Africa and the Mideast through Turkey with the human traffickers dumping them in these rafts, not caring if the rafts, as they sometimes do, sank or turned over before the Greek Coast Guard could get to them. And the Greeks told us at the time I was there that they were spending all of their time with the Coast Guard not doing normal duties, but just pulling up thousands upon thousands of refugees who think, by the way, that they can go to Germany. That's the final destination a lot of them want to go to. But they get stuck in Greece at these refugee camps that the Greeks really can't afford to maintain because a lot of Europe won't take them. After this initial wave where it was reported some years ago that Europe was so welcoming and Germany was going to take so many of these illegal immigrants and asylum seekers, it didn't get as much publicity when all of that backfired. In fact, shortly after Germany opened its arms to so many of these people, there was a string of terrorist attacks committed by some of the Islamic extremists that had been allowed in. And Angela Merkel, the leader of Germany, put up her hand and said, never mind. So they quit taking refugees and even sent some of them back. 
In places like Denmark and Norway and Sweden, where I've reported from, there is a culture clash with the arrival of so many Muslims, some of whom move to establish rules in the parts of the neighborhoods where they live, whereby the normal Christian religion wouldn't be allowed, the traditional or native religion. And that's caused a lot of upset and culture clashes, although certainly there are places where the cultures are living side by side peacefully, but it has caused quite a bit of upheaval. What's happening now in the United Kingdom, where I just visited for full measure, a lot of people there are talking about their immigration crisis as it relates to, again, people from these countries in the Middle East and North Africa, places they don't want to stay, coming through France. Again, the human traffickers putting them on boats, this time across the English Channel, where sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't, but they're headed toward the United Kingdom, which, like the United States and like many other places, says we can't absorb all of these people coming illegally, not through the normal immigration process. In the United Kingdom, they've taken a step, which some people love and some people hate, which is to send these refugees or asylum seekers to Rwanda in Africa to await the determination of their status. That was intended as a disincentive, much as, here's another parallel, President Trump had wanted and for a time made these people coming in from the southern border wait in Mexico, or as it's called, remain in Mexico, while they waited for their court dates, and that was a disincentive to people coming across the border. They talk about in the United Kingdom, much as they talk about in the United States, that by providing incentives, by letting people know that they can come in, we are in essence propping up like never before the human trafficking and cartels by the billions of dollars that are paid to move people across the border illegally. And I don't know about those coming in from France to the United Kingdom, but in the United States, sometimes the people coming across the border illegally are paying the cartels and the human traffickers two times or three times. Virtually everybody who comes across that border illegally has to pay the traffickers, and they may pay something up front. They pay something once they safely arrive on the U.S. side of the border, and sometimes they owe more when they make it to their final destination. Well, the United States, by its position of once it takes someone into custody, moving them to their final destination, where do you want to go, finding out where they have family, because almost all of them already have family who arrived here illegally before them. The United States is, in essence, for free doing the final leg of the human traffickers' job for the human traffickers. They don't even have to pay a penny for it. We're paying for it out of taxpayer money. Beyond immigration, culture clashes in Europe, the transgender movement, the movement to get it a lot of attention and to put it on front and center when it comes to politics and culture, that's happening in Europe as well. It is equally as divisive with polls showing, and we'll be talking to a professor about this on full measure. He comes from the liberal side. He describes himself as a liberal or progressive, but the way he talks, I think, will find some agreement with some conservatives. He says consistent polling shows a majority of people oppose these radical cultural trends such as men playing in women's sports or defining men as women sometimes, letting people just call themselves what they want to be. That is supported by a certain segment of the population. And he says a larger part of the young population than the older population, as you might guess. But overall, it's a 
fairly small minority of people who support it. And yet it's dominating, as you know, conversation, the internet, social media, popular culture, politics. I had a liberal politician in the United Kingdom point out to me that these discussions weren't taking place, he said, in 2016 at all during the election and their campaigns. Not even, he says, through 2019. But now it's practically all anybody wants to talk about at times. So we'll talk about some of the reasons for that. We will also dig into the post-Brexit England. I was reporting from England prior to Brexit actually taking place. That's Great Britain's separation from the European Union. And I'm back to check out how it's going. There are a lot of kinks and problems and struggles, I think pretty much by all accounts. And yet, many who are satisfied, and even those who are not, are not suggesting they try to go back to Europe. That doesn't even seem to be a discussion that's on the table in any form right now, in any faction. Ironic, I think, that British Prime Minister Boris Johnson was elected primarily, I think, on the promise to make Brexit happen, to actually implement it. And yet, after he did, he found himself forced out of office. Why did that happen? We'll be talking about that as well. And one more big area where I see parallels that we're going to focus on has to do with green energy, the push for green energy, the rhetoric about climate change. That might be even stronger in Europe than it is in the United States. And I think Europe is ahead of the United States in terms of transitioning and moving towards certain green energy policies. Great Britain unveiled in the past year its Build Back Greener plan, which requires that they become what's called net zero by the year 2050. That's a tall order. That means they will not be adding a net amount, they hope, of pollutants like carbon dioxide from coal plants into the atmosphere. Well, again, division on this. A lot of people are happy with the progress they're making and think that they're on the forefront. But a lot of people say these initiatives are already proving disastrous and proving that they cannot succeed at least as quickly as they're trying to be implemented. For example, in Germany, which was ahead in turning to wind power, they've had to restart coal plants because of problems getting the energy they need. So while there are those who say Europe should be a model for the United States and the path the U.S. should follow. There are probably just as many who insist Europe is a warning that the United States should learn lessons from what's gone wrong in Europe so far. Something that doesn't seem to be a parallel. I thought this was interesting. I've visited London many times. This time I really paid attention to whether what is happening in so many U.S. cities appear to be happening in London in terms of the crime surge, legalization of marijuana, the surge in homelessness, mental illness, and so on. And I didn't notice this in London. Well, they haven't legalized marijuana, number one. And I don't know if that's related, but it just so happens that in cities like Denver, Colorado, and San Francisco, California, things have gotten markedly worse after the legalization of marijuana. It seems to bring in a certain element, according to officials, that ends up harder drug users than marijuana, addicts who have no way to feed their habit without stealing, crime is increasing. It either attracts or creates a spike in mental illness. And you know how some of these cities look. Well, to me, London doesn't have that feel at all. 
And I'm not saying there aren't dodgy sections of London as always. And I did see a few homeless people, but I actually saw almost none for the first couple of days when I was circulating in certain parts of London for interviews. And how sad in a way that it really stood out to me that I didn't see the types of things that I'm seeing in US cities. Sad for us, not for London. But London's very clean. I didn't see any tent cities. Super interesting. I find all of this very eye-opening and I hope that you do too when I turn some of this material into stories reporting for Full Measure Season 8. Much more after a short break. In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, it's never been more important to support truly independent journalism. Go to CherylAckison.com and click the Store tab for a great way to do that. We just designed some thought-provoking beach towels for summer you'll love to show off and make a statement with at the beach or the pool, or hang them in your guest bathroom. They feature catchphrases like, I tested positive for critical thinking, and do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Proceeds support independent journalism causes like the ION Awards for Off-Narrative Accurate Reporting. Visit CherylAckison.com and click the Store tab. So now with me is my intrepid Full Measure crew. You've heard from them before. Producer extraordinaire Daniel Steinberger, cameraman extraordinaire Brian Barr. And I know you like to hear from them. In fact, right now we're driving in Germany toward Dresden from Berlin. And Brian is shooting pictures out the window. He's not driving of some giant windmills on the side of the road, which has to do with some of the stories. Oh, look, Brian, around the corner, there's a ton more. They're all over the place. Has to do with some of the stories we're working on for Full Measure, as I mentioned, involving green energy, transitioning to more wind power, solar, alternative energy, how maybe that's not going to be so easy with news developments like the Ukraine war and problems with inflation causing problems with this planned transition. So can you talk for a minute, Brian, about your impressions? So it's fun to be back on the road, especially with uh, Cheryl and Daniel. Um, uh, And we've we've all been to Europe a bunch. And uh, I don't know, my impressions of London were pretty normal. It seemed like life was back to generally pre-pandemic activities, Right. I mean, I think I saw a lot of people wearing masks on public transit, which I think, I think might be uh, required. But not anywhere else. But right, not anywhere else, as Cheryl just said. Um, uh, Yeah, even inside buildings, inside hotels, inside blah blah blah. uh, I did not see a whole lot of um, you know required masking. Um, And then uh, the tourists are back on the street, especially around Parliament, especially around you know all of the things you know, touristy, the touristy things that tend to attract a lot of people. It, it was elbow to elbow on the sidewalks. Um, and it was, of course it was nice. It was, it was great weather in London. I don't know. I think it's Cheryl and Daniel. Daniel might produce the best weather on any trips I've ever been on. Um, so I wanted to say, and then I'll give it back to you. We noticed in our travels in the United States, and we've remarked on this before that some of America's best cities have just gotten disgustingly crime-ridden and dirty. I mean, 
I'm not saying the whole city. I don't want to rain on Denver that much, but Denver is just nowhere the kind of city it used to be when I visited maybe 10 years ago with the mental illness, homeless, drugs. I mean, it's just awful crime situations. Same with San Francisco. But what I noticed about London was I didn't see that. And I'm sure there are parts of London that are dodgy and sketchy, but we made our way around a lot of London and it was weird to be in a big city and not see a bunch of homeless tents and drug use on the side of the road that we've just been used to seeing in some of America's big cities. So that was one of the things that struck me. It's also very clean. Um, Again, I'm sure there are parts of London that are not, but the greater part like Kensington Park and some of the areas where we were shooting, I thought might look more like some of our cities have gotten to be. And I was pleased for them to see that that wasn't the case. It was nice to to not see all of the silliness that we are. It's almost like wallpaper in the States now. Um, the, the homeless camps, the open air drug use, uh, it, it is like wallpaper now. And it, and it, I think it's refreshing to come over here and, you know, walk around the city and not have to step over human X, Y, and Z, you know, and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, but it was, it was a, it was a cool observation. So what about, we flew from the United Kingdom to Berlin and you've been here before, but what are your impressions so far of Berlin? Seems, uh, again, <clears throat> excuse me, again, pretty much back to normal. Uh, I think you're required to, so I'm talking about visual rem, uh, reminders of the pandemic. Uh, and that generally is um, uh, people wearing masks. Uh, I think I see a little bit more mask wearing in Germany. Uh, I think probably because it's, I think it's required on public transportation, but I, I didn't see a bunch of it in any buildings or anything like that. Um, but by and large, uh, life seems to have returned to normal. Um, uh, people are shaking hands. Uh, I don't, you know, fist bumps were a big thing for a while and I'm not seeing much of that anymore. Well, the only guy that fist bumped us, fist bumped us because his arm was broken and he just had one spare hand and it was convenient. But yeah, no one's fist bumping here so far. Yeah, I'm glad to get away. I like the, I like to shake hands. I like to hug. So it's, it's kind of nice to be back. Uh, but Berlin is, is, uh, I love the city. It's, it's, you know, it's big, it's urban, but it's orderly and it's not, you know, chaotic. It seems the Germans seem to have an order about them or, you know, uh, or at least a calmness in the urban, uh, area. So, uh, and then I, I'm a big fan of German cars too. So it's kind of fun to see the Porsches and the, and the Mercedes and stuff like that. So, well, part of the reason we're here is to look at green energy issues. Also to talk about their leader, Angela Merkel, who's gone now, but really had quite a run. I mean, my first thought in doing a story or finding out about Merkel was what chased her out of office. You know, she had some things that didn't go well for her. We'll be talking about that on full measure. But really, in fairness, she had a really strong reputation and a long run in Germany. So we'll talk about that, too, in some of our stories. And we're heading to Dresden now. Well, we have a few things to shoot in the rest of Germany, including a visit to NATO, Um, We're going to be visiting a place where they're building a huge chip-making factory. There are American companies building here. 
really inspired by, I guess you would say, our over-reliance on China for some technology that really made us come up short after COVID with the supply chain problems. They're trying to solve that. A lot of that solution may happen in Germany. We'll be talking about that. But in Dresden, I don't know much about it. I'll know a lot more after my visit. We wanted to come there because, in part, a lot of this city was destroyed during World War II, including by, I guess, United States bombs. So we're going to see what they've rebuilt and what still remains historically, because they apparently do an amazing tour. I, I can't wait to find out more about that. But again, as I said, also with us is Daniel Steinberger. So let's hear from Daniel. Well, great to be with you, Cheryl, as always. Um, I will talk about, we visited the Berlin Wall, which I had not seen Previously, this is my first time in Germany, first time in Berlin, um, and I was excited to, to see the Berlin Wall and kind of what remains of that, because um, I remember from the 80s when it came down, and as a personal story, my, my father and grandmother came to chisel part of the Berlin Wall right after it fell and brought home some pieces of that. So it was interesting to see that. We did a little bit of a tour and kind of got some of the history um, and Got, you know, heard some stuff I never had heard before. Um, so, and we'll have that as part of a upcoming story as well, if I may say. Um, but it, it's, it was, you know, Berlin is, is an interesting city. Another thing that somebody pointed out to us is how wide the roads are, which was kind of interesting. Um, and there's a lot of bikers here, actually in, in UK and in Germany. Um, very, and people are really into biking, which, um, I thought it was, was kind of nice, kind of, you know, kind of makes me want to get back on my bike. So, um, but it's been great traveling with you and Brian and, and seeing the world uh, in a different way. Okay, Daniel, and once again, you've planned an amazing trip. I mean, this is not an easy thing. That's what producers do. Great producers like Daniel do this so well. I may know the kinds of stories that I want to do and the people that I want to talk to, but to coordinate all of it, the travel, the arrangements, Daniel finds other people for us to interview, arranges all the technical details. There's no better producer than Daniel Steinberger. <laughs> and a special guest appearance today with our driver, Jan. Jan is from Slovenia, but living in Germany. And smart crews like us know that it's better to have someone drive us uh, who's from the area than to try to drive around ourselves makes it a lot a lot better. I was wondering, you know, our impression of Berlin is that it's kind of gotten back to normal looking since COVID. Is, is that the case? What are your impressions? Yeah, more or less. Uh, Berlin is back where it was. Uh, it's very touristic place, so apparently five million tourists walk through Berlin every year but what I would I would say like in the last couple of months when things uh, are sort uh, sort of back in normal like there is definitely no Chinese to, to be seen uh, people are still wearing masks I think for my opinion a little bit too much uh, but yeah, it's definitely mandatory on the public transportation and in hospitals. So, uh, but people are still, I think, exaggerating a little bit in uh, normal shops, like grocery shops. Uh, there is also like what I don't like, like uh, they give you a nasty look. 
if uh, you're in a buyer company in this uh, let's say special shops with the uh, same food just uh, for the twice as price as in other shops and this kind of uh, people which are like let's say green orientated <laughs> they give you a nasty look when uh, you are not wearing masks masks even though it's not required do you feel as though with covid some of this division that's happened in the united states has some of it happened here where people may be wearing masks in part to show where they stand you know on a where they are politically or where they are socially i think it's all kind of covered with like they're not doing it for themselves but to to take care of others so i think it's kind of narcissistic narcissistic or how is narcissistic yes narcissistic uh, point of view if you ask me but probably if you ask them it's uh, completely <laughs> something else i just see it that way so in general um did berlin feel divided with covid or was it already divided or did it not really happen in the states i'm sure you saw or heard about It's a very polarizing thing. Made people seem to divide in two camps, you know, in different camps on things. I think Germany was not uh, that much divided. Uh, I think uh, people who have, like, let's say, different opinion from mainstream uh, COVID uh, story just, uh, like, move aside and... Uh, There was a, actually a lot of demonstrations and I think uh, the like mainstream media tried to minorize that and, and, and like presented that there was actually much less people there than actually was. Uh, but I haven't like uh, really felt that the, the, the people were like polarized on two different camps or at least it was like really really uh, well taken care of or shut down or yeah if um, you had to think of something that you would like an American audience to know about Germany you've lived here I think you said for about nine years but what is it that you think we would find interesting about this country it can be about anything politically socially touristy whatever yeah, I think uh, from what I know about America although I, I never I've never been there I think you have like a really terrible health system I think uh, any American would really enjoy the health system in Germany which take care of actually anybody even a homeless guy I don't know get Get injured, get, gets injured. The the, um, uh, the 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 ambulance would pick him up, take him to ER room, take care of him and or her. And uh, I think that's the, the the what I find in Germany on really high level. Also through uh, going through COVID as a, as a, 
like company which was uh, like a limousine company that was like uh, hard uh, hit by a by a covid uh, so basically we were parked or maybe on 10% of activity for two years uh, like we got all the government support and really i think this is one of the the the, the most most uh, uh, beneficial things uh, living in uh, 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 Germany is are there a lot of taxes that take care of that you guys have a really high tax rate yeah very high tax rate I think uh, in the end uh, when you draw a line under under everything I think there is a 47 close to 50 percent of tax but it's uh, like I think it's a uh, in the end very well distributed uh, through the population something interesting i found out too when i interviewed a professor at one of the local colleges I'm not talking about private colleges here but according to him public colleges the fees you know in the united states you can easily pay thirty thousand dollars for college one year they're three hundred dollars he said I don't know if he meant for a semester or for the year. It doesn't really matter. $300 to go to a public college in terms of fees. So that's something that's different. Again, probably taken care of with the tax situation. But thank you, Jan. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if so, you'll leave a great review, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours. And now you can support independent journalism by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking the Store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you with proceeds benefiting independent reporting causes. Do your own research. Make up your own mind. Think for yourself.